Men are literally disgusting. Men are trash. That's common in society. What is a woman? Can you tell me that? Marriage is a patriarchal plot to oppress women. And there's no greater source of systematic oppression than the nuclear family. My pronouns are she, her, or they, them. Do you guys think men can get pregnant? Uh, yes. Men, women, marriage, family, society. That's crazy. Uh, yesterday, uh, at our house, we were packing some Operation Christmas Child boxes, and that reminded me of the reality uh, of, of what we're talking about in this series, that we had some girls' OCC boxes and then some boxes for boys. And if you were anything like us, the boxes for the boys contain different things than the girls. Anybody else? Yeah. Right? Okay, right? Uh, there's a real... Like, both boxes or all boxes had similar things. You had like a soap, toothbrush, washcloth, socks, that kind of stuff. But then there were some different items. Uh, there's a reason that I put a dinosaur and a transformer in the boys' box and not the girls' box. They had some other things, right? Even those like kind of just packing boxes reminded me and reinforced the truth that boys and girls are different. Men and women are different. And as much as society wants to dismiss the differences in that, that video bump we just watched that some people believe that men can get pregnant. And it's like our world, it seems, has gone crazy. And we're not acknowledging that our personality, our anatomy, our chromosomes biologically are different men and women. And that's why we're spending two weeks. Last week, we talked about what does God want a man, or a man to look like. And this week, we're talking about what does God want women to be and to live like. Now, let me just throw some hopefully obvious truths out there to you, right? I'm a man, <laughs> and I realize that I'm about to tell women how God wants them to live. And I know that's not the most comfortable thing, right? I find it kind of ironic that there's only one sermon in the series, I believe, that Pastor Zach isn't doing, and this is the one... <laughs> That he, just crazy, I don't know. Uh, it, you know, smart move on his part, I guess. But uh, I'm asking for a few things. One, I'm asking for a little bit of grace, all right? I'm not like, uh, I, I've been praying this whole week that God would give me the right tone, right delivery, right heart. Like, genuinely, I have. And I don't want to come across as, hey, women, you need to do this. Like, that's not my heart at all because it's not my standard. It's not even Christian men's standard. This is what God is saying. Hey, this is what should be prioritized in your life. And although this is about women, to all the men in the room, let me just give you some advice. Uh, don't nudge your wife or any other women in this room. If you've never taken notes, do not start today. I don't want to hear any amens and don't get in the car after church and say, wow, what a great sermon. I think we need to meditate on these truths and just don't do that, all right? I, I'm sparing you. Just uh, <laughs> what we're going to talk about, it does have application, men, to us. It's primarily to the ladies in this room, but just asking for a little bit of grace and um, as we go through 
which you can probably guess that if there's one part in the Bible, there's a specific chapter that's kind of famous for being about women, and some of us know, Proverbs 31. And that's exactly where we're gonna be this morning. And I wanna jump right into it. Proverbs 31, verse one, it says this. It says, the words of King Lemuel, a pronouncement that his mother taught him. So King Lemuel, we actually don't even have another reference in the Bible to a guy named Lemuel, to a king named Lemuel. And we don't officially know who that is, but Jewish tradition says that it was Solomon. Says this is another name for him, a pen name or something his, his mom called him. We don't know what it is. But this isn't just Solomon or whoever. Uh, this isn't a man telling women what they should be like. Where did King Lemuel get all his wisdom? Is from his mom. Says that his mother taught him. And if it is Solomon, then who's Solomon's mom? That's Bathsheba. And if you're anything like me, you're thinking, wait a minute, Bathsheba? The one that bathes on a rooftop and cheated on her husband with David? That woman is going to tell other women how to, <laughs> how to live? Yes, uh, possibly. But if that is her, somewhere along the line, God got her heart and she became wise and she's using this opportunity this mother and son, the mother is getting her son's attention to a vital matter. She cares and she wants the best for her son. Any mothers in this room want the best for their kids? Yeah. All right. I'm going to go ahead and say all of you do, right? Same with her. That she's saying, son, listen. Like, this is so important. And she's actually going to describe who her son needs to look for to marry whether he's already married the wrong person or is looking now, she's saying, if you can find someone like this, then you're on the right track. This is the standard. And so this morning, as we're going through Proverbs 31, she's gonna, or Lemuel is describing what his mother has taught him. And so women, this is who you should be. And not everything in this chapter is copy paste to your life. In fact, there'll be a lot of things that, uh, that are kind of impossible for you to do. But men, you, if you're single, this is who you should look for. This is someone who you don't wanna just find a, someone to date, someone to marry, that, oh, I think they should have this or they should be, have this personality. These are the things that God is saying is, should be promoted. And also, if you are a husband in this room, that this is the person that, you want to pray and help your wife become, that God would continue to work in her life. And so this person that is being described in Proverbs 31, uh, she is like above and beyond accomplished. I'm going to read all these things, and you'll be thinking, this isn't a woman. This is superwoman. Like, how does she do all this? She must have 50 hours in a day. All these things aren't necessarily done today, maybe over the span of her life. And so just keep that in mind as well. But these are traits that can be demonstrated in any context, that these are examples of godly wisdom lived out. So just keep that in mind. We keep going. Verse 10, here's how she is telling her son what he should look for. Who can find a wife of noble character? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will not lack anything good. 
She rewards him with good, not evil, all the days of her life. She asks this question, say, who can find a noble wife? This word noble means virtuous or excellent. That she, if her son can find a woman like the one that she's about to describe, she's like, hey, son, she's a keeper. Like, don't lose her. This is the one you need to look for. And if you find her, she is more precious than anything else that you can find in the world. And so this morning, as we go through Proverbs 31, I want to just point out three things, kind of broad categories, three things that God is saying a woman should be and understand. And the first thing that we read from verse 10, it says that she is more precious than jewels. The first thing is a woman knows her worth. A woman is valuable. And I just said that, and probably... Everyone in this room goes, duh. <laughs> like, we know that. We know women and men are equal. We got it. Doesn't even need to be said. But I would push back and say, we know that, but it's only because of Jesus and his teaching. That you look at today, and especially through history, that has not been the case. You rewind to Jesus' time 2,000 years ago, you look at how women were treated versus men that women couldn't buy your own land. They had no voice in court. Their opinion, their testimony was not upheld at all. And even the teaching and philosophy of that time, uh, all of us are probably familiar with Aristotle. He lived a few hundred years before Jesus. He actually was a tutor to Alexander the Great, who was responsible for so much of the culture and society that Jesus grew up in. Aristotle... Let me just read you a quote from him, all right? Females are weaker and colder in nature, and we must look upon the female character as being a sort of natural deficiency. Don't, don't worry, it gets worse. As it were, females are mutilated males. Yeah, cheery, right? I even feel bad just reading it from stage. It feels a little, yeah, not great. Uh, Aristotle, his view is like, yeah, we need women. They give birth and they do some good things. But ultimately, they're not men. And he believes that with his philosophy, with his teaching. That is the kind of stuff that was permeated all through Jesus' culture. And that was their mindset. And the reason that we think, yeah, I know women are valuable is because of Jesus, that he was the one that taught women. He had women followers when no other rabbi or teacher did. That he first revealed himself as Savior and Messiah to a woman in John 4. And he taught that God created male and female different but equal in value. And that message still hasn't impacted everywhere. You can go and read about how places like Iran and Saudi Arabia... They treat women like second-class citizens. That they can't even do things like uh, get a driver's license, get a passport, uh, go to a soccer game. Like crazy, just mundane things like that that show that women are, in their minds, less than. And it's crazy. And we are probably thinking, well, we're in America. We know better. We know it's not you know, like that. We, we understand. But even here, our culture, our society, 
is trying to tell a woman that her worth is somewhere where it shouldn't be found. That a woman is, her worth is found in what she does, what she can accomplish. Or a woman, or you don't even want to be a woman? Okay, that's fine. You can identify as something else. Or you want to become a woman? Yeah, you can do that as well. And this whole transgender movement, who it actually hurts the most and harms the most is women. And we also live in a culture where uh, pornography objectifies men too, but objectifies women. And by the way, pornography, the whole industry that makes over $3,000 per second shows that women's value isn't in how they were made or who they were made by. It's in their body. It's in how sexualized they can be. It's for your pleasure. It's what our culture is telling us. But as believers who know the Bible to be true, we know that to be wrong. We know that men and women are equal. Why? Because just like men, women are made in the image of God. That you were designed by the creator of the universe who loves you. And no matter your story, no matter your past, no matter your failures, no matter how you view yourself, God values you because he made you. In fact, he values you so much that he is willing, he was willing to give up his one and only son to be tortured and crucified and die on a cross for you. So our value doesn't come from anything we can do. It comes from us being made by a loving creator. And so right off the bat, that's the first thing. A woman knows her worth, knows that she is valuable. The second thing, uh, and this is a very broad category, but a woman is caring. Cares about others and cares about what she does. And so there's a lot of examples and details that we're going to read in the next like 15 or so verses. And uh, they all kind of fit in this. But verse 13, we'll keep going. It says, she selects wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from far away. Just means she's setting the table, like providing for her family. She rises while it's still night and provides food for her household and portions for her female servants. It says she's uh, selecting wool and flax. And that word selects, it means to wisely seek the best option. In other words, she's thrifty. <laughs> like this Proverbs 31 woman, she knows how to find a deal. She's not running to the name brand. She's searching around. She's clipping coupons. Like she's doing what she has to do to not only provide, but to do it wisely. And in verse 13, it says that she works with willing hands. In other words, she works with delight. She has a positive attitude with whatever is in front of her, with whatever she's doing, she has joy from being helpful. And how I want to tackle this message is not just to say, all right, be this. Women, do, or women, do this. I'm going to point out the Proverbs 31 uh, person, women, and, geez, woman, and just say, all right, here's a few questions to kind of gauge, has God worked in your life in this way? And maybe that you can think and pray about this yourself. And so she works with delight. Are you an eager, willing worker? 
Like, do you have an eager heart when it comes to your kids and they've waited till the last night to do their project? And it's not just any project, but you have to recreate the whole solar system using styrofoam and poster board and glue and all that stuff. Do you have an eager heart? Or even at your own job, when you have to do more work because someone else didn't do their work. I just heard it, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, do you work with delight? Do you have joy with whatever is in front of you? Or do you complain? Do you grumble all the way through it and you make sure that everyone else knows that you're working hard um, when maybe others aren't? She gets up early to provide for her household and she puts their needs before her own comfort and convenience. She takes care of her family and she is selfless. Keep going, verse 16. It says that she evaluates a field and buys it. She plants a vineyard with her earnings. Uh, earlier this week, Amanda, my wife, who I'll mention a few times, uh, she knew I was studying for this, the Proverbs 31 woman. And she's like, hey, what do you think is an area that I could improve in out of all that? And I know it sounds like a trap, right? <laughs> Nothing, honey, you're perfect. But uh, I told her, I said, you know, you really don't plant enough vineyards. Like, we need grapes. What are you doing? Like, this is ridiculous. Just a stupid joke on my part. Anyway, uh, she draws on her strength and reveals that her arms are strong. She sees that her profits are good and her lamp never goes out at night. She extends her hands to the spinning staff and her hands hold the spindle. And so we see here that she is bringing in some extra money. All right, she has uh, bringing in extra income. She's skillful. And remember, I'm going to say it again, all these things, these are not non-negotiables. I'm not saying that you do or don't have to work as a wife in addition to your husband. In marriage, if you have kids, you should prayerfully decide that. All right, what's the motives? What's the priorities? What do we need to do? But it does, this chapter does go above and beyond to point out how much work is actually involved in managing a home. Like, the Bible goes to great lengths to, to comfort any mom or wife who realizes, and God realizes just how big your job is. There's so much involved. And whatever she does, it says that her arms are strong. In other words, she's capable. All right, she's gonna tackle her task. She's determined, she's diligent. She's not afraid of hard work. And what's funny to me is people who don't know the Bible, think that the Bible paints women as just helpless without men or they can't do anything. But like, that is not at all what the Bible says. In fact, uh, men are to lead in the home and the church. Sure, absolutely. But get out of her way. She's working. <laughs> like she's doing manual labor in a field. Has some help probably. But she is not afraid to work hard. That she's pricing, buying, planting. And as a result of her hard work, She's prosperous. She makes money. Gets up early. She stays late. Does whatever it takes to feed a family. She accepts a challenge. And she is a problem solver. So we just talked about how she was a willing worker. But now she's also a hard worker. And so I ask you. Do you have a work ethic that honors God? 
do you get the most out of your money, your time, your resources, your possessions to not only honor God, but to help others? Because it's not just her family that she provides for. Verse 20 says this, her hands reach out not just to her kids or her husband, her hands reach out to the poor and she extends her hands to the needy. She sees those in need and helps. She's compassionate, she's generous, she's loving, she's empathetic. And men, we can and should be these things. It's not just, hey, we're supposed to lead and macho and I don't need feelings. Jesus, the manliest person to ever walk the planet, had compassion on people. He cared for them. But God kind of communicates this and shows that women, you just have this natural ability to make people feel loved and cared for and and heard and, and noticed. And I see this in my wife all the time that she'll know someone or meet someone for like four minutes and she's able to get more out of them than I could in probably like four weeks of, you just met them, but they're telling you like their life story and what they're struggling with and how you can pray. Like it's impressive. And it's, she asked the right questions. She's able to get on their level and listen. That a gift that they're, that she's able to do and Proverbs 31, girl, she's, she's doing that. She's reaching out to the poor, to the needy. And so, do you care for those in need? Not just your family. You should care for your family. But do you write, text, call, encouraging things? Do you serve people? Are you charitable? Are you sensitive to the vulnerable? Like when you drive by someone on the side of the road and uh, and, and they're asking for money or they're homeless, are you kind of numb and callous to it and go, eh, well, yeah, they probably wouldn't spend it on good things anyway? Or does your heart break for them, knowing that there's someone that we can possibly serve and love and care for? Are you more focused on others than yourself? She is. In verse 21, also, she is not afraid for her household. When it snows for all in her household, are doubly clothed. She makes her own bed coverings. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. She, she's doing everything, right? She is making clothes and bedding for her family. Uh, and in doing so, she's kind of providing security for them. Hey, winter's coming. Don't worry, they're warm. Uh, she makes her own clothes. And so not only does she do hard things, but she makes the home nice. She's tasteful. And this is one of those things where we again notice the distinction between men and women, that usually women have this desire and ability to make a house a home, right? Can we agree? That if you have a a house with only men in it versus a house with at least one woman in it, it's going to be different. I don't know about you, but I'm probably content with blank walls, you know, no scented candles, and maybe one pillow on the bed. Other than that, God has given this ability and desire. He's made you different. That's a good thing. I see that in my wife too, that I love our house, and it's mostly not because of me, because I haven't really done much in terms of like organizing and decorating. That's all Amanda, that's her. And I will be honest, sometimes I get a little freaked out. 
that whenever the word paint is mentioned, like my heart just starts beating a little faster. Like, oh, okay, here we go. Uh, we had a friend over a few months ago and I was in the living room and they were in the dining room talking and she was talking to Amanda going, you know, you could really paint. And then I was like, oh, well, no, here we go. But not the walls or not the ceiling, paint the floor. I'm like, do people paint floors in their house? Is that a thing? Like, wouldn't it just be easier to rip it up and put a new one in? And then they started talking about walls again. I'm like, okay, well, at least we're off the painting floors topic. But it wasn't painting walls. She said, you know, this would really open up if you would just take that wall out. <laughs> and it would flow so much better. And I walk in just in a panic going, you know what? I, mm, yep, sounds important. I think we need that wall. Like it's load bearing and can't get rid of it. And that's just, they're wired differently than I am. That I'm not gonna be able to do what she can do just from personal experience in our marriage. But here in Proverbs 31, God goes out of his way to write that she is making things nice. She's bringing comfort and luxury to her home. Verse 23, we keep going to see how she's caring. Her husband, who hasn't been mentioned all that much, is known at the city gates where he sits among the elders of the land. She makes and sells linen garments. She delivers belts to the merchants. And so she is uh, helping her husband. That not only is she following God and trying to do things right, but her husband is as well. And she is a credit to him. She doesn't overshadow him, but she is a helper. That's what the Bible, we'll talk more about it next week, but the Bible, that's what, when he created male and female, he says, the woman is to be a helper to the man. And we hear that and go, oh, well, that sounds degrading. That sounds offensive. But God doesn't mean it to be degrading. He's saying that a helper is necessary to bring strong help. In fact, that word, the, the Hebrew word helper, is used uh, 15 or 16 times in the Old Testament to refer to a woman twice out of those 15 times. The other uh, 12 or 13 times, it's used to refer to God. The same word that God says about a woman, he uses about himself. And I'm pretty sure God's not demeaning his job is that he is a helper to us. He's saying that a helper is necessary. And that's a great thing when we know our, how God has designed us and we don't run from our strengths, but we live with them. Verse 25, we keep going. It says, strength and honor are her clothing, and she can laugh at the time to come. Her mouth speaks wisdom, and loving instruction is on her tongue. So not only is she working hard, but she's prepared for tomorrow. It says that she can laugh at the time to come. Why? Because she's ready. She's thought ahead. She's planned. She's in order. It's already on the calendar. Like, don't worry about it. And with that, she has the integrity to back it up. It says that strength and honor are her clothing. And then it says that her mouth speaks wisdom and loving instruction is on her tongue. So not only is she wise, but it says that she's speaking wisdom to others. Her husband, her kids, her family, other believers. And this is huge. I don't want to miss this that she's not just solid herself, but she's helping others grow in their faith. And I want to pause here in the Old Testament 
and see what the New Testament says about the same thing. Titus chapter 2, verse 3 says this. In the same way, older women are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not slaves to excessive drinking. They are to teach what is good so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, love their children, to be self-controlled, pure, workers at home, kind, and in submission to their husbands so that God's word will not be slandered. This is simply helping others live out their faith. It's women teaching women how to be godly wives, godly mothers, self-controlled followers of Jesus. And so we said the second point was a, God wants a woman to be caring. A woman cares for others by investing in them. You care for people by investing in people. And to all the moms in the room, this is partially obvious, right? Who do you invest in? Who do you care for? Probably the most, your kids. And you're not just raising them to be safe, healthy, successful. You, your job is to raise them to know Jesus. And you're thinking, okay, well, not married. I don't have kids. Great. You have more time to do this for other people that you can invest in more and you can spend more of your time and energy focused on just helping them know how great God is and opening your life up and saying, hey, this is what it looks like. I'm not perfect, but maybe you can learn from me and you can do the same from other people. And that's what she was focused on. So when it comes to you, are you in a group? Are you with other believers not only learning yourself from them, but are you challenging others to know God more? Are you investing in them? And we wrap up this section with verse 27. It says, she watches over the activities of her household and is never idle. So she's managing a home. She's hardworking. She's not lazy. She brings order. All those things to show that she's caring. Now, I wasn't lying. That was a lot, right? There's a lot of, hey, she's doing this, 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 this. Maybe you feel like, wow, I don't check a lot of those boxes. Like, I'm not cooking for my family. Uh, I'm not, um, I don't have my own business. I'm not making my own bed sheets. <laughs> like, yeah, there's a lot that maybe you're feeling beat down and like you don't measure up to. But remember, those aren't the most important things in this chapter. What we're about to talk about, number three, is the non-negotiable. That this is what God is saying, hey, this needs to be true of you. That a woman knows her worth, woman is caring, but a woman fears God. Verse 28. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. He says, many women have done noble deeds, but you surpass them all. We keep going, and maybe you've heard this verse before. Charm is deceptive, beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Give her the reward of her labor and let her works praise her at the city gates. All these things that she accomplishes, this is the engine behind it. This is the key, all right, this is the secret sauce, this is how she does what she does. And what makes a woman isn't her beauty, isn't her capability, it's her faith. 
And her husband is going out of his way to say, man, you are great. Like, look at what God has done in your life. There's a lot of wives out there, but you're the best. You do so much for this family. You do so much for me. Thank you. And it's because she fears God. And to fear God, it simply means to take God into account. It's pretty much what it means. It means that you're aware of his power and his presence, and you make decisions based off your relationship with him. So it means to fear God, and she does. Do you fear God? Do you make decisions based off your relationship with him? Do you tell God yes more than you tell him no? Are you captivated by just and how good he is? Like he died for me, and I can't get over it, and that's a truth that I'm thankful for every single day. Does God have your heart? And honestly, you know. Like, you know if you're worldly. You know if you fear God. You know if you care more about him than anything else. But if not, this is where you start. Like, don't leave here this morning going, wow, I, I, I don't know if I'm really thriving in my relationship with God. I don't know if I fear him, but I'm challenged. I'm going to be a better mother, better wife. Like, don't do that. Start with this. That if you fear God and love him and obey him and he is your number one priority, all those other things are going to come. God will work in your life in those ways when you start loving him more. And what happens when you fear God, what happens when you care for others, is others care for you. That's what happened to her. It says her children and husband, they praise her, they appreciate how godly and how many great things that she brings to their, their life. And, uh, and then we have to ask, okay, is that true for us? And maybe we don't know. Like, a, I think a good gauge on whether or not we are living our lives in a manner that God would want us to, do we fear God, is what do those closest to us say about us? What do they think about us? Like, what do uh, my, my coworkers, my in-laws, my friends, what is my husband, what, is my, what are my kids do they think or do they understand that I'm trying to follow God? And if you don't know, ask. Just like I said, Amanda, my wife, was doing that to me earlier, and it wasn't like a, it wasn't a trap. She was genuinely saying, hey, is there an area where you see that I can honor God more? You can do that. You can ask others in your life and ask yourself, do you benefit their life? Are you intentional with them? Do you help them know Jesus more? She cares for others, and as a result, people care for her. And this type of woman deserves to be loved and valued and treasured and esteemed. And this is where I want to talk to the men real quick, talk to us. You thought you'd get out of this morning without anything, but wrong. <laughs> Do you value the godly women in your life? That's most of us have wives that love Jesus and do so much for you and your family. So many of us have godly mothers that not only raised us, but if you were to call them this afternoon and you ask for help or whatever, they'd be there for you. We have godly women in this church who for years and decades have been living a life modeling after Jesus 
and showing that he's the only hope we have, so I'm going to live for him. We have just people in our life that we don't, that we kind of take for granted. Some of you have wives in your home that you don't take time to notice everything they do for you. And I'm challenging you to go out of your way and to communicate with your words, <laughs> with your mouth, with your actions as well, but tell them, hey, I, I, I saw you did this and I, I know you're just putting in so much work and effort and time to make my life easier for our kids, for our family, for our friends, whatever. Like, thank you. I love you. I value you. I go out of your way to do that. And in fact, I would say, because the past two weeks, right, have been, you know, men, we're supposed to lead. We're supposed to not be passive, take charge. If there is a godly woman in your life and they don't know that you value them, you're not leading well. At least in that area, you are not leading well if the person you're leading doesn't even know you appreciate them. And so, as we looked at this Proverbs 31 woman, this challenge that God has for all of you, women, that you are to know your worth, that you are to be caring, and you are to fear God. And as we're in this series, don't let their culture believe that you're crazy to believe that because you understand that you are gifted uniquely, that you are able to work hard, that you are able to support others, that you are able to raise a family and be a unique gift to do what men cannot do and provide what men cannot provide. Don't think that you're less important because you choose to do those things versus pave your own way, that you're willing to spend more time on others and your time, your resources on them than paving your own career. That you have this gift that you are to steward well, that you can literally give life and then continue to nurture that life and be consistent and be dependable and be present in everyday moments. And that, a woman like that, a mom, a wife like that, or a woman who's not married and is just going out of her way to love God and love people, that is no less impressive than being a CEO of a company or doing anything that may have a higher worldly status to it. And those things are great too. But us as men, we have so much to be thankful for as God has placed women in our lives that we would not be who God wants us to be without you. That you are an invaluable and indispensable part of God's church that he wants to use you uniquely to build his kingdom, to help people come to faith in Jesus and to be used here at Grace as well. And so with this sermon, um, like I said, it's not my standard, <laughs> it's God's. And so don't leave here just trying to remember, okay, well, what was said and what should I do? I would challenge... Um, all, the, all of you women in here, I, I would challenge you to read Proverbs 31 every day this week, just once. And every time you read it, ask God, open yourself up to him and submit to what he wants for your life and go, God, okay, well, I don't know if I check all these boxes. Where do you want me to improve? What do you want me to take away? What do you want me to add? And let God be the one that works in your life.
And, uh, and what I'd love to do right now is I'd love to pray. So if we could just stand up as we uh, end our service and, and pray that God would continue to work in our hearts. God, we are thankful that we can be here this morning. Um, bring us here safely to freely worship you and learn about you and be challenged by your word. And God, what we learned today is pretty, pretty far against what a lot of our culture is saying. That men and women are different, that you've created women to be a unique blessing and gift and, and necessity in our world and in your church. And I pray that we would recognize and value them as that. And God, I pray that all of us would just be open to what you have for our lives. And um, as it's a high standard, God, there's a lot of things um, that maybe we don't, we don't meet or isn't honoring you in our life. But I pray that we'd be open to it. And I pray that you would work, that you would move in our hearts. The Holy Spirit would just develop these traits and these um, characteristics that bring glory to you and not ourselves. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.